Hey, it's Dave. So today I'm joined by Jason DeBolt. He's been a previous guest on my channel where he described his journey of accumulating enough Tesla stock in order to retire early a couple years ago. And in this episode, I wanted to bring back Jason again to get an update on his early retirement journey, to get his current thoughts on Tesla stock, on Tesla AI day, and anything else related uh, to Tesla and his life. So welcome back on the show, Jason. How have you been? I'm great. Thanks for having me again. I'm really looking forward to the, uh, to the talk. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. It was um, a great, uh, fun chat the last time we, we talked about your journey. Um, you had some memorable stories in that journey <laughs> that came out. <laughs> I think um, a lot of people kind of resonated with, with some of the things that you were saying. Um, yeah, so you retired early. Was this about a year and a half ago or so, or how long ago was it? Yeah, it was January of uh, 2021. So about a year and uh, 10 months ago. It's so almost two years. Yeah, okay. it's been a long time. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. And um, I remember uh, you had, I think, a time of retirement. It was around, was it 10 million or so um, in Tesla stock? Yeah, almost okay. 12 million. Yeah. Okay, got it. And you've seen a ton of ups and downs during that uh, period. Yeah. I mean, okay, first off, has were you ready for that type of volatility the past year and a half? Um, yeah, it's no yeah. problem. It's fine. Really? It's, it's really, honestly, as scary as it is today, it seems for a lot of people, it was way worse. And 2018 and you know that was that was hell right <laughs> for me at least um uh -huh. but uh but that's mostly because of my margin situation um but yeah it's extremely volatile i think it, it'll be it'll continue to be volatile um and as long as you're not over leveraged and as long as you're in it for the long term um there's no reason to to worry i think tesla's in a great position um you know they're they're <laughs> they're just killing it with manufacturing and ai yeah. and We'll get into all this stuff, but it's really exciting. I think the closer you watch the engineering side of Tesla, the easier it is to, to hold. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Um, so I think you tweeted recently that you're up, I think, up to about 18 million or so. And now you're down 9 million. So you're like yeah. cut in half. Um, yeah. A lot of people, I think, would have a hard time um, dealing with that type of you know volatility. Um, are there any mind kind of tricks or hacks or thought process you're doing to kind of, you know, be okay with that? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's not my money. I don't think of it as my money and as, as uh, I don't think of it as having lost that money. Uh, I think of it as deployed capital. It's really, um, you know, it's really capital that's at work. I think of it as machines, engineers, and uh, you know, I don't, I don't think it's, it's my money. Nothing is really, I mean, today Tesla is more valuable than it's ever been, right? I think yeah. internalizing that, you know, every day they're more valuable. You know, they have thousands of people, incredibly talented people working at this company, and um, every day they're deploying software, they're, they're, you know, manufacturing cars. I mean, every single day it's a more valuable company, and you know, just because the stock price gets cut in half doesn't mean the company is worth half as much. It just that's not the way it works. So I think yeah. internalizing that, I think everybody knows that to some extent, but truly internalizing it and understanding what that really means, it, it just makes it so much easier to, to hold, to hold Tesla yeah. when it's volatile. Like I don't, I don't sweat at all. Like it doesn't, it doesn't bother me at all, really um, the volatility and cause I'm living within my means. I'm not spending too much. I'm not uh, over leveraged. So it's, you know, I'm in it for the long term. So, yeah, it's interesting what you're saying. Like it's not my money. I, um, there's kind of this analogy I've thought of is when you invest, let's say, into a company like Tesla, there is this releasing where you're saying, you know, I'm, 
this, these amount of assets or resources are no longer mine. I'm giving them over to the company in a sense, exchanging them for right. a part ownership of the company. And even mm -hmm. though the so-called stock price or sentiment of people go up and down, you still own the same amount or same percent of the company. Like right. that hasn't changed. Exactly. Like the, exactly. the deal that you made to buy those shares and that percent is still the same, you know? Yeah, it's just exactly. mentally, exactly. mentally, you see the stock price go up and down. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. what's going on? It's changing so much, it feels like. Yeah, I mean, yeah. most people want it all. They want to be able to say, oh, I have $18 million, but they also want to say they own 40, 45,000 shares. But that's not the way it works. Like you don't, it's, you don't own $18 million. You just own those shares. And you, exactly. yeah. you own, you know, I own um, eight minutes of Tesla production. Uh, <laughs> basically, I just took the number of shares that I own uh -huh. and divided it by the total number of shares in circulation. And that's if you look at the number of minutes in the year that there are, um, I own eight minutes of that. So that's how that's another way I'd like to think of my ownership of Tesla is how many minutes or for some people seconds um, of production do you own, right? So during that yeah. eight minutes, there's thousands of robots, thousands of code deployments, engineers, meetings, people discussing things and all that output, all that productive output, you know, I own that. You know, that, that's pretty exciting to me. That's how I think evaluation is, is I'm closer to the actual, um, the actual factory and, and uh, the people involved. And not, it's not about the numbers and the financials for me. Uh, it's yeah. more about understanding what Tesla's doing and, uh, and just understanding you know, how far ahead they are and all these things like manufacturing and AI. So, Yeah, I was um, at the um, factory before I opened with my wife and two kids the Austin Gigafactory. And as I was watching it, or watching it getting built, it's almost finished. I'm like t telling my wife, hey, we own, you know, this <sighs> amount of this factory, like the exact percent. Yeah. And I could actually quantify. And actually, I was like kind of showing how much kind of we own of this factory. And of every X amount of cars, like this is how many cars we own of production, yeah. right, from this factory and mm -hmm. the profits. And, yeah. um, and it's not just this factory, but it's every other factory that they're going to, you know, be able to yeah. uh, build in the future. Mm -hmm. um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, Tesla, Tesla has, um, what, four factories now, and they're going to eventually have 20 plus factories and you'll still own X minutes of production, right? I'll still own eight minutes of production. Um, it's exciting. It's such a pr privilege to own this stock. Like it's so, it's such a, an incredible thing that, that we can, that, you know, this is available to the public to own, right? This Tesla yeah. almost went private. It almost went private. And that would have been heartbreaking, right? Like, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, this is like, this is, I still can't believe that Tesla is just a, a share that someone can, I mean, people can just buy stock in Tesla and it's literally the most exciting kind of stock to own. I mean, it's an incredible productive asset and I'm just, I feel very fortunate just to own any shares at all, right? I mean, we almost went private in 2018. So. Yeah. yeah, I think uh, about that sometimes too. Imagine if Tesla did go private, let's say retail shareholders yeah. couldn't right, continue on ownership. And then you have these like yeah. Tesla AI days and Optimus reveal yeah. and like, we're just, we have no ownership, no stock. I know, that'd be so sad, <laughs> right? Stuck. And then yeah. you, you would hear rumors of how valuable Tesla is. It's worth a trillion dollars okay. private valuation. Like they, they're raising yeah. funds and they're worth a trillion. Like, and we missed, we would have missed out on that. That would have been exactly. like terrible. So uh, yeah. yeah, it's crazy to think about. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so, 
I'm curious, how often are you looking at Tesla stock price? I mean, is it something you look at every day or just? Yeah, I look at it every yeah. day all throughout okay. the day. You know, it's just yeah. fun, right? Sometimes I'm like, yeah. oh, it's down today. What happened, right? Did, did Elon mm -hmm. tweet something or is, you know, I don't know. I, I, I'm just, it's just fun. I don't really, um, you know, there was a time where I was posting all my, my losses. Like some days I would lose like a million dollars, like in one yeah. day, trading day. And I would, and I would be like logged into my checking account, logged into my, my brokerage account, like refreshing the page to get the largest possible loss so I could share it on Twitter and like shock everybody. Yeah. Like I was like, that was like, you know, so I was kind of like enjoying that a little bit, but, uh, yeah, it, eventually this is all going to work out. Tesla will, will come out on top and, um, you know, it's, it doesn't, I'm not worried. Interesting. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the, the chatter about a possible Tesla stock buyback that some people are suggesting, recommending Tesla to do? Um, I think actually Gary Buck just wrote an open letter or something. Um, yeah. We have Leo Koguan and uh, some others um, as proponents. Um, any thoughts on that for you? Yeah, I saw that. There's a lot of, um, you know, I think there's a lot of people that want the buyback to happen and, um, you know, I, I'm actually kind of indifferent. I don't think it's a really big deal long term, but I would per, I would prefer Tesla to um, hold on to a large cash cash position just in case um, they do have to shut down a factory or something something happens, right? So I'm kind of a little yeah. bit more on the camp of like like with you, like I don't really yeah. think a buyback is necessary, but maybe maybe next year or maybe in the, the coming years, you know, definitely. But I think right now it's a little bit, there's a lot of uncertainty in the world, especially with Ukraine. And uh, I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant to say we should do a, a buyback, but we'll see how, um, you know, we'll see what happens with, with Q3, uh, yeah. Q3 earnings. And uh, yeah, but I don't have a strong position, right? Got so, it. Yeah. 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 I think um, um, it's interesting. I think the like, Elon and management have saved you know, 15 to 20 billion on purpose and shrunk down their debt because that's what they feel comfortable yeah. with. And right. for people to say, to tell them, oh, take 10 billion more in, in debt right now. It's like, <laughs> they've worked really yeah. hard to get to this place where they yeah, do have 20 I, billion. I agree. I mean, for so many years, we didn't yeah. have cash. Like we, we didn't exactly. have enough cash for many years. Now that we finally have cash, are we going to use it to buy back shares? Like, I'm like, yeah. let's enjoy the cash a little bit. And <laughs> like, just... You know, um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, and I don't really know how much the share price would change, even if they spent you know billions of dollars on on buybacks. Like, it would just be a marginal change, right, in the stock price. But I could be wrong. There could be other yeah. psychological impacts of that. Maybe that that is. Um, and you mentioned some good good points in one of your last videos about how much Apple is doing buybacks, like twenty billion dollars yeah. a quarter, like eighty yeah, billion dollars yeah. a year in buybacks for Apple and their yeah. stock price is still down, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, on Twitter, you're kind of um, tweeting about the the chances or probabilities of a possible nuclear war happening. Right. Um, I think you know. I think Emmett Peppers has been kind of tweeting about that too. Um, how, like, what percent are you thinking? And um, I guess following that up, like, what? How does that impact Tesla? at all if there is let's say and there's also so many scenarios of what is a so-called nuclear war is it just one bomb is it you know small yeah. nukes going off is it escalating or i mean what's your kind of um thought process thinking about that 
I mean, I don't know what the chances are, uh, but I know that it's a higher chance than any time since I think the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962. I mean, and we had some cool heads back then, right? We don't have those cool heads today. I mean, I think there was like a there was like a uh, a Russian submarine commander uh, around that time that was told to launch a nuke and he refused to or something like there was some story about some like Russian uh, submarine commander that was like a hero because he basically rejected, uh, you know, he had a cool head about it. And like, and I think that, you know, JFK and Khrushchev did a kind of a secret deal that we didn't learn about for another 30 years um, where JFK removed Jupiter missiles from Turkey uh, if Khrushchev would remove missiles from from Cuba. So I think that there was some deal making going on. I don't see the deal making happening right now at all. If you look at the both sides, um, you know, the chances of, uh, of a deal being made, I think, are uh, getting lower and lower every day. Right. So I, I'm a little worried about it. Um, and uh, yeah, I just I just don't see like a path to de-escalation, which is the concerning thing. Right. That's that's what I'm worried about is like there's the, you know, uh, yeah. it's just, I don't see anyone talking to each other, right? They're not talking. So that's what I'm worried about. Yeah. I, I kind of wonder what the role of COVID and all these remote mm -hmm. meetings online, especially with governments and politics where before yeah. you had all these governments, officials, everyone meeting each other, having, having to interface. And you had this long period where they're just like, oh, okay, we'll do a zoom call if ever. And mm -hmm. yeah, it just feels like, you know, we're in a world where more than ever we need that personal touch, um, this nuanced, you know, relationships. And um, yeah, I feel like all of this stuff could have and should have been avoided. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a tough one. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm wondering um, when we last talked, your strategy with your early retirement was to like live off of margin, uh, but not to sell any Tesla shares. And I believe mm -hmm. you haven't, sold any tesla shares like from that time right right i haven't yeah right. I've been, i haven't how, sold any shares yeah how has um kind of that living off a of margin been is it stressful at all to have your margin increase but then let's say <laughs> the size of your holdings go down by 50 percent from the top um actually i'm living i'm at about 12 percent loan to value right now meaning for every say million dollars in and uh, Tesla stock that I own, that's borrowable. So that's like half of my shares I can actually borrow against using margin. Um, about 12% of that, I have about 12% uh, debt to that that amount. So um, so that's about, you know, yeah. So basically for every million dollars that I have in Tesla stock, I can borrow, um, you know, I'm borrowing like 120,000. Um, I can borrow, I think, up to five hundred thousand, but I'm only. I want to keep it down to. Actually, I'm trying to keep it at eight percent, but because the stock price is, has declined a bit, I'm, I'm actually at about twelve percent, um, which is that's something I can deal with. I mean, I have friends that have thirty percent loan to value, um, and you know they seem to be doing okay. My my the rate that I can borrow uh, through margin is much lower than the ten percent that a lot of people get. Because uh, I've negotiated that rate um, mm -hmm. and have a direct relationship with my broker, so um, so that that's something that you know contributes to me not worrying so much is because I can't my rate is much lower than I can uh, the rate that I get charged for borrowing, and also I'm only at you know twelve percent eight to twelve yeah. percent range of, of 
of my loan to value. So that's something that, you know, if I was, if I was borrowing, if I was up above 20%, I would probably start to get a little bit like, ah, I should, maybe I'll just kind of, you know, um, uh, I won't go out as much and I'll try to kind of like not spend as much. Um, mm -hmm. but my expenses aren't that much. My mortgage payment is like $4,500 a month. You know, it's really not much at all. I can, I don't have a huge amount of expenses. Um, Got it. Yeah. Um, to, is your margin rate, has it gone up a lot this year? It's gone up a little bit because uh, mm -hmm. it's tied to the FUD funds rate. Um, mm -hmm. But it's, it's the last time I checked, it was effectively about three and a half percent as of, okay. kind of September. So it's pretty, it's pretty good, even with all the, uh, the rate increases. So. Yeah. Um, there's, there was some chatter I was like looking at on Twitter about buy and hold and the general consensus that people were, like buy and hold is crazy, right? You're foolish. Like, look at yeah. what's happened in the past you know, couple of years with buy and hold. People yeah. have been devastated. You've got to get out before, you know, it, uh, the party's over, basically. <laughs> um, what's your take on uh, buy and hold? Do you have, um, yeah, I mean, is it something that you would, of course, none of this is financial advice, but do you, do you think, yeah. generally speaking, the strategy is sound or not? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, buy and hold is the, it's the best way for people who, um, you know, it's the best, I think it's the best way for people to achieve wealth in the stock market. Right. I mean, there are some people that can trade, right. But it's an elite group. It, you're, you, you're talking like the top 1% or something. And I know that I'm not in that percent. I, I'm not a trader. And I see, I see trading as something fundamentally different from investing, although they're kind of tied together somehow, but I think that they're totally different. One is really about, understanding uh, short-term events and, and their impact on the markets and things like that and interpreting that's like Emma Peppers is really good at that. Um, and, um, and the other investing is more about, especially in a tech company an engineering driven, hardcore engineering company like Tesla, um, you know, investing is much more about understanding the technology and its long-term implications. So understanding, you know, I wrote a paper in 2015 about uh, the convergence, convergence of electric vehicles and, and autonomy and robo taxis and um and i wrote a 30 page document on that and that was that would basically gave me an, a, a higher level of conviction where i just wanted to be a long-term buy and hold investor and i'm doing something similar with tesla tesla bot right now i'm researching tesla bot and i see the enormous potential of that so um that's giving me more conviction conviction to the for holding for the next decade so i'm a long-term thinker I, I only look at kind of um you know Engineering companies like Tesla, they invest and sometimes they don't get a return on that investment for years, years and years and years. So, um, you know, I, I think that short term mindsets, they don't they never work in the long run. If you're a trader, you might make money for a couple of years, but eventually it catches up to you. Um, and that, incl that includes all options trading. You know, I have a lot of friends that got involved with covered calls and they were doing really, really well. Um, and then they end up getting shares called away from them. And that was unimaginable to them. Right. And. And it just happens, right? So I think that there's always somebody on the other other side of that trade um, that you know, especially you, when you when you're when you're engaging in a lot of trading and options, you're up against hedge funds, and you know, you're up against incredibly sophisticated trading algorithms and you know, custom hardware. Some of these some of these hedge funds have custom like hardware, and um, they're writing programs in C to to do high speed trading and things like that that. You, you just have it. You're disadvantaged, right? Like if you if you're involved in that kind of stuff, the person on the other side of that trade, 
often is going to be better than you in the long run. Like there, it's just, I knew that the game is rigged, so I just don't do it. I just do yeah. long-term buy and hold. Buy and hold is just the way to go. Um, so I yeah. may be down like, you know, since I retired, I'm down about 2 million, two and a half billion. But over, since I started investing in Tesla, Tesla, I'm still way up. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of, um, you know, it's a long game, right? Like we're not talking about a scope within two or three years. I'm talking about within seven years, at least, I think seven years is like the minimum that somebody should kind of buy and hold, right? Buy and hold doesn't mean buy for buy and hold for a year or two. It means at least seven years. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely makes sense. Um, yeah, it's like, I think the, the, the reason why I think in some like buy and hold, I think it has to be qualified too. If like it has to be a good company or something you buy and hold, you know, you don't want to buy and hold a, yeah. a loser company. Um, right, but, right. But I think it it plays on this the aspect of um, how humans are so fickle and emotions and sentiment go up and down yeah. so much. How people can be on a cloud one day and just completely like pessimistic the other day, and it can go in cycles. And so, yeah, it's like. It's, it's, and it's tough to predict this stuff when sometimes the people with big funds are manipulating the sentiment yeah, also, absolutely. right? Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, if you can get into a great investment early and hold on, you know, that's, um, yeah, it's tough to do yeah. that, I think, in some ways. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to talk to you about um, Tesla AI Day. Um, you're saying, like, you got to evaluate, you know, this hardcore technology company with what's going on with their tech. Yeah. What was kind of your overall impression takeaway with Tesla AI day. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was totally blown away. I did not expect the robot to be walking at that point. Um, and uh, some people expected it. There were a lot of roboticists that expected it and were not impressed. Um, but for me, I was just impressed that they did that within six months. Right. And they, they were not only, they didn't just build a walking robot. They're designing their own actuators. They did a ton of work. They're already working on the next version that is going to blow everyone away. Like it's just, um, it's not just about the robot. It's not just about the actuators and mechanics. All that stuff is sure, it's great. Like Tesla's done some amazing work um, with that already, but um, that's that's not going to set them, uh, you know, say several years ahead of the competition if there is any competition, because people will just be able to reverse engineer a lot of that stuff. Anything that you can see, anything that you can feel, mechanical engineering things, like they'll be able to copy it in a couple of years. What will set Tesla ahead of everyone else is the AI, right? And, um, you know, this is the first robot that really has a brain, right? First humanoid robot that uh, where we, there's the potential to have a, an for it to be intelligent, right? It's, it's kind of more like an intelligent machine. It's something that, We'll be able to walk into a room and understand its environment, make sense of it, and take actions based on that. Whereas most robots, humanoid robots today, are kind of they're kind of gimmicky. Like they they're you know no offense to a lot of roboticists out there, but uh, they they've been trying to do the impossible, right? They don't have the resources that a company like Tesla has right now, and the talent, to be frank, to to build something like Dojo so they can train their neural nets for the robots. Like they and that will be essential because. Um, you know, you can't just do training of neural nets on the AWS cloud at the scale that, that Tesla is going to be, it's going to be incredibly expensive to, to do that. Right. Like they, Tesla is thinking so far ahead with this that eventually, um, they'll have an insurmountable lead, I think. And, um, it's just, to me, it wasn't just about the robot. It was about 
AI day was about the, uh, the, the AI, especially with FSD. Um, and that is, yeah, it's incredibly promising. Like I'm really excited about it. So one analogy I like to make with what's happened in humanoid robotics uh, in the last couple decades up until this point is kind of like what happened with early flight and um, around 1900 with the Wright brothers. So before the Wright brothers flew the first powered fixed wing aircraft, there were many failed airplanes, like many failed machines that could never, you know, they were cool. You know, they, they were able to do some cool things like fly in the air for a little bit of time, but they weren't actually in sustained flight. Um, they just couldn't crack that. And then once the Wright brothers finally achieved flight, then it was just, there was an explosion of aircraft. And then there were, you know, multiple generations of, of um, multiple generations of propulsion. You know, we started with the internal combustion engine. Then there was, uh, there was like, you know, jet engines, turboprops, and then the ramjet in the 1960s with the Blackbird. So within a few decades, we went from achieving first flight to flying an aircraft that's literally a hundred times heavier flying at Mach three and a half, right? Like that's, that to me is mind blowing because, but it just took that breakthrough of, um, of achieving flight. So I think with the humanoid robotics, we've had a lot of kind of gimmicky robots, robots that can do some things so they can walk around, but they don't really understand their environment. Um, and they, they, they don't really have a brain effectively. So the cool thing about the Tesla bot and Optimus is that it could be the first truly kind of uh, intelligent machine that has a, an AI brain that can walk into your room, understand its environment. You can give it a voice command and it'll just, it'll just do what you want. It'll, you know, it can actually get to that point. And, you know, we're seeing with Tesla FSD that, uh, you know, enormous progress with that. And that's, um, I think that we're going to see, see something similar with a humanoid robot. Um, okay. So with the robot, how confident are you that, you know, let's say Tesla in five or six years can actually deliver a useful robot, you know, that can actually do stuff in my house. <laughs> or do you think it's going to take longer? And what do you think about competition? Do you think there is competition or do you think Tesla is like kind of in a league of its own? I think that the, if there is competition, it won't be from any current robotics companies. Um, I think it'll be from a, a company that already has a leg up on AI, like Meta or uh, Google. Um, or some Chinese companies that maybe I don't know about, uh, or Korean companies, but I think it won't come from robotics. The hard, the challenging part won't be the robotics side. It'll be more, uh, like, I'm not talking about actuators and all that, that stuff. That stuff is really important, but it's really about the, uh, the brain of the robot. Um, and whoever is developing real world AI will be, could become competitive. Right. Um, so that, that's what I think is going to happen. I think it's more about, like I love the focus on on things like the the motors that Tesla's designing, the actuators. They're they're amazing. I was doing research on actuators, and mm -hmm. and I looked at the the force that and the the kind of dimensions of the actuators that are Tesla has been designing. And I'm, I I uh, was searching for actuators that had similar kind of specifications in terms of force, and they're literally twice as big. Like the the actuators that you can buy right now are like they're they're twice as they have twice as much mass. Um, or the equivalent actuators of the same mass are, are like have half of the force that they can handle. Right. So it's kind of like they're already making some pretty cool progress on, on actuators. And um, that's pretty exciting. But I think the, the really uh, to get to your question about like, will there be competition? 
Yeah, of course. Like, you know, but I think it's really um, the window of, of kind of opportunity, the window of time available to competitors is quickly kind of disappearing. <laughs> you know, if, if Tesla continues, if, if Dojo is super, is super successful and they're able to train their neural nets much faster at a much lower price, um, then, you know, good luck to everybody else running on AWS or <laughs> like they're going to have to build their own chips. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's going to be difficult to catch up. Software is very difficult to, um, to catch up to you once it starts to really pull ahead. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it seems like Optimus has been controversial. There's been a lot of people who are like, dis, I don't say discounting, but making fun of, let's say yeah. what Tesla's doing. Um, on the flip side, there are folks like you and others that are very excited about Optimus and its potential. Like what, what, what's going on here? Like, what are you seeing or how are you thinking that's making you see something that's almost the opposite of how some other people are, are looking at Optimus? Are there any kind of thought like patterns or things you're focusing on that's maybe different or unique um, with that? Yeah. I mean, I think it really comes down to um, the economics of the robot. It's going to be, uh, I mean, Elon says that they might be able to build this eventually for, you know, less than $20,000. Um, and I think they're going to be able to build it for much less than that eventually. I mean, their, their Tesla not too long ago was, was saying that they would build a $25,000 car, right? And that car has a lot more components, a lot more mass, a lot more material than than these, you know, 160 pound robots, right? Like uh, just the raw materials of these robots, you know, once they start mass producing these, you know, they'll be able to manufacture them, I think at quite a bit less than 20,000, um, especially if they're building their own actuators and they're building their own, all their own components, it'll be vertically integrated. Um, so that's, that's exciting right there. Um, and also when you think about, um, you know, if, if this robot can do the equivalent of, uh, equivalent job of somebody right now who's getting paid maybe like uh, like a mechanic, right? Who's getting paid $35,000 a year. Um, then that mechanic is really only working eight hours a day, five days a week, so 40 hours. Uh, versus, um, you know, if you had a robot working 24-7 for seven days, um, you know, and uh, or close to that, you know, there, you essentially have, you know, how many hours are there in a week? 160, 170 or something. Um, that would be, you're essentially saying a robot could be equivalent of four employees working uh, throughout the week, 24 seven. Uh, so you can just multiply four times 35,000 and get, you know, $140,000 uh, salary for the robot. If, if, you know, if you were, if the opportunity cost is four employees. So then you're talking about something with a lifetime of seven or eight years, and that's a million dollar value right there. So for something that costs less than $20,000 to manufacture. Um, and, uh, you know, so that's, that's just a basic kind of napkin math example of how, mm -hmm. how valuable this robot can be. Um, and uh, so the profitability, you know, there could be extremely high margins on this, seven, 700% margins uh, or more. Um, and then these things will actually get better with time too, because, mm -hmm. Uh, all these robots would be collecting uh, information about um, the environment. They'll be uh, gathering data just like the vehicles, Tesla vehicles are now. And they'll be sending that data back to, uh, to Dojo, neural nets to be trained. And then all the robots will kind of get new updates 
and they'll simultaneously be learning that they'll, they'll learn kind of um, simultaneously. And just, you can teach one of these robots how to do a task, like you know, pick up a uh, impact wrench and you know, take a wheel off of a car or something. And all the robots will learn that eventually, you know, you just, that, that net gets trained and all the other robots receive updates and now they can all do it. You can have hundreds of thousands or millions of robots learning how to take a wheel off, right? Just because one learned how to do it. So um, it's just, that's pretty cool too. Imagine you can't do that with people, right? If someone learns how to do that, they need to, every person needs to kind of learn it very slowly, right? So the rate of learning will be really high. Um, and, um, you know, also, you know, if, if they can make robots that are less than $20,000, they'll, I think initially they'll build, they'll use them in the factories. Uh, I don't think we'll see them in the home for, for many years, maybe at least five years, but I think they'll start using them in the factories. And then, um, you know, especially for, for jobs that are kind of maybe hazardous or, uh, or um, aren't very, don't require a lot of skill, right? They're kind of moving things um, around the factory or some very basic, uh, basic work in the factory. And eventually they'll get more and more useful in the, in the Tesla plants, in the factories. And um, they'll also be collecting data while they do this right now. Right, right now, you can't really ask a factory worker if, you know, um, you know it's, it's hard to gather data on, on what everything a factory worker is doing, unless you maybe strap a camera on them or, you know, record everything with, with sensors. Like it's very ineffective to do that. But with robots, they'll be able to collect data all the time. Whatever they're doing, they're capturing data. Even, even the rate at which they're applying torque on a wrench that's recorded too. Like they'll have, like they'll, they'll be able to record every movement the robot makes and um, they can, Tesla can use that to uh, further enhance the quality of their, their products, especially the manufacturing side. So that's just, I mean, there's so many ways you can look at this and I don't yeah. know how anybody can't be excited about, about um, just, just deployment of the robots in the factories alone. Right? That's, yeah. you know, and then if you want to talk about robots in the home, I mean, that's, that's another conversation. That's, that's going to get kind of nutty, right? If they can make this uh, an affordable robot. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think you bring up an interesting point, this whole idea of um, if, I mean, these robots, like the plan is for them not to cost a million dollars to make, right, per robot. Right. This is um, actually a very <laughs> a cost efficient, effective, you know, um, almost a cheap robot in that sense of the materials or what's going into it. So maybe 10, 15,000, you know, we're talking about to make it. Um, but the value that this robot can provide over many years is just mind boggling. And you've got mm -hmm. to think that if Tesla can do it, they'll be able to capture some of that value, a good portion of it, if, especially if they're ahead of the competition, like they're, let's say they're, they're right. way ahead. Um, what do you think, do you think they'll do a subscription model eventually or, um, Will they yeah. let people just buy it out straight out, or what, what's your th thought? Yeah, I think, thought I, process on I, this? I think eventually, I don't, I don't know when this will happen, but if these do end up in people's homes, yeah, a subscription model I think would be the way to go, especially like an app store type of situation where maybe somebody buys a robot and um, it comes with a default, you know, some default functionality, like it can it can move things for you, right? <clears throat> like there'll be some default functionality that the robot can do. It'll be able to talk and converse with you and. Uh, walk around, pick up stuff and, um, you know, open the door, close the door, greet people. But I think if you wanted to do other things, like say, uh, be able to pull weeds in your yard or something, you know, it, it, there could be some garden bot 
uh, functionality in the app store where you can have a subscription model and, you know, you know, as long as you pay that monthly amount, you know, the robot can walk around your yard and, and inspect things. And, um, you know, it can, you know, wash your solar, solar panels or something like that. Um, I think it, it makes sense to do a sub subscription type model, or maybe you can have a robot that's capable of cooking, um, kind of, uh, you know, that can cook for you and has, uh, the ability to cook certain types of foods or, um, you can pay for that functionality, right? Like a chef bot subscription, uh, you know, and this sounds all really futuristic and science fiction, but I mean, we're talking about picking up some ingredients, opening a door, grabbing something, turning on the stove, you know, just all just basic hand movements and, um, and recognizing, you know, things in the fridge. It's just, it's just like machine vision. Like they can do this, like this will happen. Um, but yeah, I think the, the business model won't just be you buy a robot and, you know, it comes with all the functionality kind of out of the box. Um, and the robot will probably, <laughs> could probably take itself out of the box when it's shipped to you. <laughs> like, that's kind of cool. You know, the robot like, like open, I don't know. I don't know. It's just kind of exciting. Um, the yeah. robot will be able to charge itself. You know, it could walk up to a charger, mm -hmm. plug itself in. It'll be able to kind of maybe fix itself, tighten its screws, whatever, um, you know, repair itself a little bit uh and do diagnostics on itself and show you or at least tell you what its status is um yeah yeah i think um, what's interesting also with the whole ai and the brain of the robot is typically with ai like things are improving or getting um better exponentially and it's happening really fast the capabilities of these brains like just mm -hmm. like it feels like it was yesterday when ai beat yeah. chess but now it's like doing everything all this you know, <laughs> any game is basically yeah. like child's play right now you know um right. and um it seems like with the optimist robot, if ai it progresses in a similar trajectory it's possible like the early years we're not seeing the the improvements or the usefulness as maybe we would hope for in the sense of like wanting it now, but there's a certain time where the improvements just go like crazy. I mean, it, it just, the brain just gets yeah. so smart and yeah. so fast. It could do almost right. anything. It's like, yeah. I, I don't know if, I don't know if people are, I mean, that's They're what not I'm, ready. Yeah, <laughs> They're exactly. not ready. Like nobody like, knows. That's what I'm seeing. Like, like if you look at technology yeah. and AI, that's what's going to happen. It feels like, but no yeah. one's ready for that at all. No it just ready. feels like. Um, no one's ready. It's, yeah. it's going to be crazy. Like it's going to, it's going to be nuts. Like, I mean, if you think about it from a first principles way, um, I mean, a robot that can cook, <clears throat> not only cook, but order the ingredients for you. Right. Cause it's going to be networked. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, just like not only order the ingredients for you, it'll open the door when the, uh, when the grocery delivery person comes to the door and it'll put those <laughs> things away from you, yeah. right? It'll put those, those groceries away. It don't know where to put them away in your kitchen because you've trained it, yeah. you know, when you bought the robot. Or, or, the, or the bot who delivers <laughs> the food, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the bot will exactly. deliver, you know, maybe they'll have a little robot yeah. conversation for, you know, yeah. <laughs> like a few, you know yeah. and then they'll, the robot knows your kitchen and knows where to put everything because you kind of showed it when you bought the robot when it, when you unpackaged it, you showed it your house and it kind of observed things and it knows where everything is. It can open the door, grab the groceries from the other Tesla bot, put them into your kitchen. And then it knows when to cook dinner, right? Um, it'll cook in, you know, maybe at seven o'clock, it'll start, you know, mixing things and, you know, cook for you. And 
I mean, how much does a personal chef cost right now? Like it's, it's expensive, right? I've looked into it, you know, it's not even, it's, it's too expensive for me. Right. Like, I mean, I kind of, um, I mean, you know, that would be dope, right. To have a robot that could just, just cook for you. Right. And then at nighttime when, when it's not, when there's no need to cook, you know, you could be sleeping. The robot can just clean your house quietly when you're asleep. Um, and then, or maybe just, you know, be kind of a security bot, um, for yeah. you in your backyard or something. Uh, so the roles that it will have will change throughout the day. Right. Um, and it's, you know, this, this can happen, right. There's nothing yeah. impossible about what I'm saying. Like we're, <laughs> it, it will happen. Right. We just, we just don't know when, but I think in the next five to 10 years, we'll see some of this, uh, functionality being delivered. Right. So yeah, one, one idea that I thought was interesting that you brought up was this whole idea of a mechanic, but a, a robot could do basically 3x the amount because it doesn't sleep, right? It doesn't get tired. Um, right. And I think, I mean, mechanics, I mean, actually their job, that's a tough one. I think, I think that's like a, like some mm -hmm. yeah, of these skilled jobs are really tough. Um, mm -hmm. I think what's really interesting is also because of the 3x amount of work a bot can do, they could do things that aren't economically kind of viable jobs right now because right. they don't meet this criteria where, you know, it could produce a product or service with, that can justify mm, a, yeah. a human's right. salary exactly. right now, right? Yeah, but exactly. if you did a 24-hour thing and it was super low cost because, you know, let's say a bot mm -hmm. is only costing, I don't know, a very a cheap amount per year to, to, to operate, then yeah. there's a whole host of different ec of, of viable like jobs, you know, you could do mm -hmm. or work. Like for example, um, you can have your bot do um, make a crazy backyard garden, like do like 10 levels and have a yeah. whole farm back there that wouldn't normally be economically viable for a person to spend that much time on because you're not getting mm -hmm. that much, let's say value or, or, you know, food from it. But if a bot does it 24 seven, it doesn't have to get ten dollars an hour of value right it could be less yeah. a lot less than that right um, and i think yeah. there's a ton of different uh possibilities that open up especially mm -hmm. when you yeah this whole 24-hour idea and if the yeah. bot is only costing 10 or fifteen thousand dollars to make and can last mm -hmm. eight or even ten years or something like it's mind-boggling like you know this yeah. stuff i think yeah yeah i mean if somebody is willing to pay someone thirty-five thousand dollars to uh to do that's like or something minimum wage. I don't know if that's 35,000, but some minimum wage job, that's the minimum you would pay someone. If a robot is going to be essentially four times more productive because it's 24 seven and, uh, you know, and it's only going to cost $20,000, you know, you can effectively pay it a fraction of minimum wage, uh, you know, if you want to think about it that way. And um, so, yeah, a robot will be able to do things that right now just economically don't make sense for humans to do. Like, you know, keep, yeah, a really simple one is just picking up trash in some fixed defined space, right? Like, um, you know, or sweeping curbs or, uh, or observing things, walking around observing maybe kind of security bots or something where uh, it doesn't make sense to do security in, in some area. Um, you know, like there's, there's lots of jobs that I can do that currently aren't jobs, right? Because they just, they wouldn't pay enough, right? Um, yeah, that's a huge opportunity. And also the hazardous jobs too. There's a lot of hazardous jobs, yeah. I think, uh, and tasks that I can do. Like the yeah. Fukushima nuclear disasters, right? Having something I can go in and turn valves and things like that is, you know, that would be really useful. 
Yeah. Um, a f- uh, the other day I was like laying in bed and it was getting, it was like midnight and I was telling my wife, I'm like, man, like I can't stop thinking about this, this Optimus robot and yeah. the future because it really is mind blowing. And it feels like, um, you know, back in the day when I first got into Tesla, you know, like maybe over 10 years ago and was researching it and saw the potential of, let's say the EV revolution and everything switching over into electric cars, et cetera. Yeah. Like that, that was big and that was exciting. Um, yeah. But this, the potential of a humanoid AI robot just seems like a completely on a different level. Right. Um, it just, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's sobering. And then yeah. and I think one of the distinct or defining factors of whether or not you see it or not is your view on AI and neural nets and how fast and where it, it progresses to, you know, yeah. um, because if you see it as this like crazy thing, that's just in this infancy mm-hmm. and it's just going to go you know, past yeah. human intelligence, or whatever, then you can track that and follow that. But if you think that, no, like, you know, all this AI stuff has been talked about for decades, but hasn't led anywhere yet. And, you know, it's all hype and we're not getting much applications out of it right now. Um, then you're going to have a different view, right? I think on the AI robot. Um, but curious, what's what's behind yeah. your view on AI mm-hmm. and the future of it that maybe helps you to interpret, you know, the, the Optimus robot in a certain way? Well, the AI field is moving so fast that even the, the top researchers in the field are, are kind of like frustrated by how like they're just they can't keep up with all with all the innovation and all the new literature and, and papers that are coming out. People just can't like I think we're getting to the point where people need to specialize within that field because nobody can can keep up. It's just moving so quickly. Um so many advancements are being made. So many papers are being written that like on Twitter, I've been kind of watching this. There's a lot of people that are like, I just can't keep up. Like I'm, these are like some of the most like world renowned, like AI researchers and they just cannot like, there's just too much going on. Um, so I don't see it waning at all. I don't see AI is slowing down. I see it's just speeding up faster than people kind of expected. Um, I mean, look at like every month there's some new tool that comes out like Meta, just uh, Facebook's Meta, just like they basically came out with a tool where you could write one sentence and it'll generate a uh, footage, like it'll generate a a video based on what you describe, like unicorns, you could type unicorns running on the beach, like just type that phrase and it'll generate a video of unicorns running on the beach, right? Or you could say, uh, there's one example where it says, a bear painting another bear, like, and then a video clip of a teddy bear drawing, like actually like an oil painting with another teddy bear uh, is generated. Like that's ridiculous. Like there's, I mean, there's just so, so many amazing things that are being created. You could never write this stuff by hand. This is a new programming paradigm. All this is data driven. Nobody is writing this code. Like this is, this is literally programs that are learning from data and, uh, and, um, there's an infinite amount of data out there. So these things would have infinite capacity for learning, which is kind of, that's, that's nuts. Like that's, yeah. uh, it's going to accelerate much more rapidly. And uh, there could be some, some limit limitation in the short term, like maybe a hardware can't keep up or we can't train these. We don't have, um, it, 
you know, like there's, I'm not an expert in this field. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm just, I'm, but I'm just seeing this and it's like, it's, I don't see it slowing down. I don't see this field slowing down. Um, and uh, no, there have been kind of AI winters in the past where there'd be a lot of innovation and then things would kind of die off or slow down and uh, there wouldn't be much, re much research, but yeah, I think that changed with the neural nets coming back in the early 2000s. I was at Google at the, at the time. No, not early 2000s. I think around 2010. I think when they acquired AlphaGo, AlphaGo, um, they, uh, you know, people would joke about neural nets at Google, right? That was a joke. Like people thought it was like a, a gimmick thing from the 90s. And uh, I remember the memes that were generated internally. There was a lot of jokes about neural nets. It's not a joke anymore, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's, yeah. it's definitely you know, it's come a long way. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. So moving on to uh, Twitter, do you think, uh, what are your thoughts on Elon acquiring Twitter? Um, it seems like it's been a rough uh, journey <laughs> to get <laughs> yeah, to a place where he can actually take it. But um, yeah, are you uh, optimistic on what he could do? Um, yeah. Regarding yeah. Uh, freedom of speech is important. Uh, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a really good thing. I think it might be it's not the best thing for Tesla shareholders in the short term, but I think in the long term, it's good for everybody because, uh, uh, you know, I, I think that it's it's just not cool to cancel people just because they speak up and if they have good intentions, you know, they're. I, I think it, I think that we really need to protect freedom of speech, and um, I think it's great. Like I'm, I've actually been fully supportive of Elon buying Twitter, and I'm glad that he was able to to, to buy it. Um, yeah. 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 I hope it closes soon. It, it seems like, yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. I know. I just want to get it done with. Like, just move on. Yeah. You know? yeah. And uh, exactly. I just hope that people don't blame him when somebody posts something on Twitter and they're not, you know, like somebody, somebody will eventually post something that's, uh, that will piss a lot of people off and, and, you know, they'll accuse Elon of protect of somehow siding with this person because he's not kicking them off the platform. That's I'm not yeah. looking forward to that that aspect of it. Yeah. People will blame Elon um, for a lot of things on Twitter, and that's I'm not I'm not excited about that part, right? Um, but uh, I do like the idea of them like open sourcing their terms of service and their policies mm -hmm. so that people can see, you know, uh, what their policies are and and. Yeah, because right now there's a lot of weird stuff going on with Twitter. There's shadow banning, and uh, there's a lot of secrecy about how they decide to remove certain people and not others. And uh, yeah, you know, it's just it's confusing, right? So I think Elon will shine some light on that and um, maybe make it a little bit more explicit and, and open. Yeah. So that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah definitely. And um, last uh, question topic is macro. Um, lots of talk about inflation, possible recession rates raising, people are kind of spooked out. Um, what, I mean, any thoughts on kind of when this uh, craziness ends? Um, yeah, what's your kind of uh, outlook or thoughts? Oh gosh, I wish I knew. I mean, I think it's gonna be at least another six months to a year. Um, I think that, uh, you know, the Fed is, you know, I, I don't know when they're gonna slow down or stop raising rates, you know, that's that could be a while and then Ukraine, you know, I hope we can resolve that. That to me, I think is even more important because uh, mm -hmm. that can spiral out of control very quickly. And um, uh, yeah, I think that, you know, but what's also worries me is like, you know, housing is not affordable for most people anymore. It, you know, it's just very difficult to, to, to get a mortgage, right? If you want to get a mortgage, it's at least 7%. And we're talking about 12% uh, interest rates on, 
on mortgages right now, which is insane, right? That that's not, um, you know, a lot of people are getting priced out of homes and they can't borrow right now. Um, so that, that worries me. Uh, I, I just think the fed should just chill. You know, the fed should, should be less aggressive. Like prices will come down eventually, but I don't know. There's a CPI report that came out. Was it today? And, yeah, and yeah. it's higher than expected numbers. So I don't know. It's, I mean, I don't know what part of it is demand side or supply side. There's supply side disruption with both COVID and, and, all, and now with Ukraine. And um, so that's increasing prices of everything with sanctions and stuff like that. And then also the demand side is like, there's a lot of um, spending. You know, there was a lot of COVID, COVID kind of relief and stimulus spending that happened. So that drove up, drove up demand. So now there's a lot of money in circulation and too much money chasing too few goods, right? So that's so we have both of those things happening simultaneously, and that's why prices have, have gone up so much. Um, combined with Fed rising rates, you know, it's kind of a really a terrible situation, right? Like those three things, like COVID relief and supply chain issues, and now rising interest rates making it difficult for people to uh, uh, to to borrow. Um, yeah, so maybe at least another six months. I I don't know. You know, I wish I knew. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. Um, yeah, fun stuff uh, to chat about. Um, yeah, I'll go ahead. Um, any other kind of uh, closing thoughts, comments? Um, yeah, topics or just things on your mind? Yeah, I mean, what did you think of? Uh, you know, what was your first impressions on AI Day? I mean, what do you think about? Uh, what, what what's your take on on Optimus and and kind of more immediate term? You know, immediate term, midterm, long term. What yeah. are you looking forward to? Do you have any concerns? Um, yeah. You know, yeah. yeah, so I have this uh, pinned tweet on my Twitter account. It's basically, you know, we're right at this turning that. point. I, I saw of, it, yeah. Yeah, of history where, you know, AI robots are going to be able to basically do almost everything that humans do, but better. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And I think this is a huge paradigm shift because up until this point, humans have been on top. That's all. That's our entire worldview of the right. universe. It's like, you know, we do everything. And... Mm -hmm. um, I think there's something uh, anti-human about what's happening in a sense, right? Um, and I still think humans can retain some type of spiritual edge, some type of unique um, element of consciousness. Yeah. Others might disagree, but I think on a purely physical level and mental level, like intelligence, like like it's going to be no competition. I mean, these, these robots are... Um, yeah, what we've unleashed with AI and neural nets is just insane. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's basically unleashing the power of the brain. You know how the brain works, yeah. but in a synthetic form. Right. Um, and this is crazy. I think this is probably the biggest um, shift in history. Um, it's going to be probably yeah. one of the quickest, the most impact. It's going to touch every single aspect of our lives, societies, yeah. everything. Um, nothing's going to be untouched um, and it's going to come fast. It's kind of concerning because mm -hmm. we're not expect, people aren't expecting it. You know, they think it's yeah. 20, 30 years down the road. Um, yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> and yeah. And um, I think the, th the thing that about AI day was, was I was basically, okay, how far is Tesla on this and how serious are they with Optimus and, you know, their AI ambitions? We knew that you know, they're, <clears throat> Yeah, really focused on it with FSD, but I think AI day kind of was this—I want to say this crowning moment, but this really a, a highlight where they're like, 
you guys thought we were serious about this, but no, we really are serious. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we really, yeah, this yeah, is, we see the are. future. It's, we, it's like, it's just right in front of us. And we're yeah. gonna, this is how we're doing it. You know, we're building the hardware, we're building the software and, yeah. and we're even building the infrastructure, you know, the, the compute, everything. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it's insane. Yeah. Like it really was this kind of, stamp this confirmation this extra yeah where they're like yeah did you see how focused and confident the tesla team was the entire team everybody that presented yeah. they didn't care like they didn't care how they were received that was my impression because they know they know they're onto some real like engineering like they're they're, they're yeah. they didn't care about demo fail like the the team that um the the robotics team when they unveiled the robot i didn't get a sense that anyone was nervous that's a really good sign. Usually I think when, yeah. when somebody demos something and there's like some, a lot of, you can feel, you can feel it like demo pain. You can feel mm -hmm. people when they're afraid to demo or they're nervous uh, because, um, and if they're confident, even if the robot fell on its face, I got a feeling that that team would still have been cool with it because they're like, I mean, yeah, it would have sucked, but I, I got a feeling that they uh, know that um, they're onto something big. Right. And that's exciting. And, uh, they weren't, um, you know, I've worked in tech for many years and I noticed that uh, this pattern between teams that are really prepared, like really kind of nervous about demos and spent even more time preparing for demos than actual engineering work. That's a huge red mm -hmm. flag. Right. But yeah. the people that, that are, you know, demos like, oh, but prepare it an hour before whatever, those are the teams that usually succeed because, um, they know they're confident in what they're doing. Right. And they're so they're so focused on it that they really think of a demo or something like that as kind of like a, uh, almost like a, a nuisance, you know, like that's, that's where you want to be. Yeah. So the team is very confident and focused. And, um, and I just see like, you know, uh, keep an eye on these people, right. These young people, yeah. <laughs> like these incredible engineers, like they're going places. Like these people are going to be very famous, right. Like, yeah. you know, someday, whether they, they stay at Tesla forever, which would be dope. But eventually they're, you know, after they'll be like Andre, you know, after five years, they might decide to move on. Um, these are like the people that left that, that are like, um, you know, that start big companies. And I, I don't want them to do that. But like, I think it's like, <laughs> keep an eye on these young, brilliant engineers. I think it's, it's really yeah. exciting. Uh, yeah. And uh, I just love their focus and confidence during the presentation. Yeah. That's something yeah. I was watching, right? I was yeah. watching that. I was like, like, because you have to read between the lines during these things. You have to see how, what's the overall vibe? What's the feel? Like, how do these people feel, right? Most people don't look at that. They just look at the robot and the mechanics and judge it to Boston Dynamics. That's the last thing I was doing. I didn't care. Like, it's yeah. like, that. that's something I don't really, is not important to me. To me, it's about what I think is going on in their heads and how, how you know, I, everybody on that stage was just like, that was really impressive, right? I'm, um, clearly everyone's very passionate and, uh, and yeah, so they're yeah. doing their best it, work. Yeah. It, it also is interesting how the whole team seems like very in tune with, they know all of their work with FSD is going to be really, you know, applied yeah. to Optimus exactly. and they understand this is big. Like they're working on some yeah. really crazy stuff. They've been working yeah. on Optimus since 2000 and eight really or whenever they started FSD. working on autopilot fsd yeah, yeah it's been this is years and years in the making really because you know 
it's all about the robot brain. It's all about the neural nets and, and FSD. So, yeah. um, and they just whipped up that robot in six months. Yeah. And that was just the, the, the first version. The next version will yeah. be, uh, it's going to be dope. <laughs> Can't yeah, wait. Yeah, yeah. I think it was it 2018 um, or 2019, they had autonomy day. Oh, sorry. Um, sorry, not 2018. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But a few years yeah. before that, I'm sure they, they were doing autopilot. Yeah. yeah, I was talking to one of the engineers at the event, and I was like, he was, we're, he was describing occupancy network a bit more, and I'm like, yeah. and just the significance of how much that's helping. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait yeah. a minute, like, when did you guys start on this? Like, when did you guys switch over to yeah. all those things? Like, it's pretty genius. Uh, it's yeah. it's been about one year, and so in wow. a span of one year, they basically <laughs> just completely revamped, right? Just uh, ripping a, everything out. Exactly. I can see the engineers at Waymo engineers probably are just like afraid mm -hmm. to touch the core code base, but like with, with FSD mm -hmm. team, they're just ripping things out and, you know, Oh, we're going to use voxels here. And now we don't care what the yeah. thing is. Just, we just need to know that it's there and we can't move it there. You know, that's the occupancy network. It's like they have uh, it's a new paradigm before they were trying to recognize probably every single object and label it and identify it and then figure out what to do about it. But now they're just like, yeah. that space is occupied. Don't go in there, right? Like that, that's like, exactly. there's little voxels everywhere and that's just, that's the way to go. It's just computationally less intense. And like, yeah. um, and you know, I think that's, that, that was like, I was really happy to see that occupancy network. Um, yeah. 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 Some crazy stuff um, going to happen over the next few years, I think. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be yeah. nutty. It's going to be nuts. Yeah. 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 Um, Definitely. But cool. yeah, I mean, back to what we were talking about in the beginning, it's like, like my latest thoughts on kind of the market is, does it really matter? Like Tesla stock price, you know, this year, next, next month, next week, no. you know, last week. I mean, if, if you're <laughs> a long-term holder and if you own a portion, a certain portion of the company yeah. and you understand the significance of what Tesla is really doing with the brain, um, it really, at least for me, it really doesn't matter. Like the yeah. the, the short term moves, it's like yeah, yeah irrelevant you, in a lot of ways. You, you don't want to be out of the stock. You don't want to be timing things and being not holding the stock for even a day. Like you really have to be holding onto the stock all the time. Like if you're trading Tesla stock and you think it's one of the best stocks to trade, well, yeah, I mean that that's great for now. But when it breaks out again, and it will break out again, um, you're going to be regretting your entire life. Like, why were you holding Tesla stock at that time? If you're someone who's in and out, in and out of the stock, you're, you, you're risking so much upside. It just doesn't make any sense to trade Tesla or to not own Tesla. It's ridiculous. I, I, I think it's like, I mean, they're, <laughs> it's, they're killing it in all the important areas, manufacturing, you know, like that's, they're just incredibly uh, innovative with manufacturing to the point where, um, you know, they're using giga presses and stuff. Like it's just, that to me is, is insane. And then AI, we just talked about that. Yeah. Uh, power electronics, they're some of the best in the world at power electronics, uh, low voltage um, uh, electronics, high voltage. And then they, uh, you know, mechanical engineering, actuators, power cooling. They're in the, they're the perfect company to build a humanoid robot, really. I don't think, I didn't think anybody else is set up to do this uh, at the level Tesla will, will do it, right? Like, like Facebook, Meta, Google, they might be able to build the brain, but they won't be able to, to mass produce the robots. Like they won't, the good luck building actuators like um, that are specific for particular joints or sets of joints, right? Like what Tesla's doing, um, you know, that's, yeah, I think Tesla's perfectly positioned for this. And um, 
it's super exciting. Right? I feel the same way about this that I did about FSD in 2015 um, or, or autonomy and and the convergence of like autonomy and electric cars. So yeah. super exciting. Yeah. Awesome, Jason. Uh, nice to catch you up. I'll go ahead and link to your Twitter uh, profile in the video description. Cool. And yeah, uh, fun chatting. And yeah, thanks for all who have joined in. All right, we'll see you guys. Bye. Thanks, Dave.